0: Hello, I'm Neil Quigley and welcome to the latest episode of my podcast. This week, Celebrity Cricket with Hugh fernley Whittenstall, an old interview I did with the fantastic Gary Newman when he did a big tour for his 50th birthday a few years ago, and find out what happened for my 40th birthday. I may have gone a bit over the top with the entertainment. All on the way, enjoy. Thanks for listening. Neil Quigley. I've always been fairly sporty, right, from a very early age. Used to play a lot of football, did athletics at School also like basketball, volleyball, anything that kept me fit. Uh, Cross-country running, I wasn't bad at that either. I liked all that. Preferred the winter sports, if I'm honest. I was never as good at the summer sports. We used to play hockey, that never quite did it for me. And we did have a cricket team at my secondary school. Now, like many of the sports teams at my school, I wasn't necessarily very good at cricket. But the games teacher knew I was fairly fit, fairly athletic, and like the sport, so I'd probably make up the numbers if we were short. So in school, I think I played a total of two times for our cricket team. I bowled no overs, I took no catches, and I scored no runs. Probably the worst cricketer on the planet. Fast forward around 20 or so years later, I'm working at a radio station. In Yeovil at Ival FM, and a lovely guy comes in who's trying to organise a charity cricket match. It's for a very worthwhile charity. It's local. He's a lovely bloke, comes in for a chat. Before I know it, somehow I've agreed to take part in this celebrity cricket match, which was taking place in a lovely village about half an hour or so from Yeovil. It all sounded very well organised. It seemed a lot of fun, and I was very happy to be involved and quite excited about it, even though... I am rubbish at cricket. Although I have to confess, I probably didn't make a big point of that fact to him. I was quite keen, quite pleased, quite happy to get involved. The big star of the show, the man who was going to captain the celebrity cricket team, which somehow, unbelievably, I was going to play in, was the TV chef and food expert, Hugh Fernley Wittenstall. He lived in the area he had agreed to come on board and captain the team. We also had signed up to play. At the time, I was a big fan of and had watched in concert a few times and worked with a Rolling Stones tribute band called The Rolling Clones. Mick Jogger from The Rolling Clones, their lead singer, he was in the team as well. We also had the Conservative MP Oliver Letwin. He was going to play. I think the Bishop of Sherborne, he was down to play as well. And the team was also peppered with a few former international cricketers from all over the world, from England, from Somerset, and we even were due to have one guy who played for the West Indies. Obviously not having a clue about the first thing about cricket and not having any of the gear whatsoever, I had to head out and buy myself some cricket whites for the first time ever in my life which I managed to get all the gear and no idea is the phrase that does spring to mind. So I got the cricket whites for one game of cricket. I couldn't really see the point in investing in any cricket shoes. So I made do with my white tennis shoes. I thought, well, they'll do. They're white. I probably won't get that involved with the game if my past cricket history has taught us anything. So I had the gear, didn't have a bat, didn't have any pads, didn't have anything else. Was told that was all being supplied happily. On the day of the cricket match, we decided we were going to cover it on the radio. And this radio station, we had a fantastic outside broadcast vehicle. We had our very own radio station Land Rover, which had a massive mast on it, which you put up as high as it would go, nowhere near power cables, of course. And that was enough to get the signal back to our transmitter so you could broadcast live from anywhere from this Land Rover. So I went along, my boss went along as well, we went along together, so we drove to the cricket match in the Land Rover, got it all there, got set up, met everybody else who we were playing with. So I then went off to get changed and meet my teammates, including, of course, as I said, the aforementioned Mick Jogger from The Rolling Clones, the MP Oliver Letwin, and our captain Hugh fernley Whittingstall. The dressing room banter was high and quality, as you'd expect from a dressing room that did contain many former professional cricketers and a couple of idiots like me. Once we were changed, we headed outside and had the obligatory team photo. So somewhere there is a photo of me in the same cricket team as Hugh Fernley Whittestall. If you had tried to tell any of my school friends that that would happen when I was batting number 11 in the cricket team for the school, I think they'd have found it hard to believe you. We were lucky with the weather. It was a gorgeous sunny day. It was played in an idyllic village out in Somerset. The setup was nice. It was a really nice cricket ground. It was all very well organised and we got the game underway. We were put into bat first. I can't remember if our captain Hugh won or lost the toss and decided to bat or bowl first. But anyway, we were in bat first which means I get a chance to assess the opposition and watch the cricket as it goes on because, let's be honest, there was no way with my sporting prowess in this particular field that I was going to be high up in the batting order. I volunteered to go as low as possible. I think they put me in at 8-4-9 in the end, which was perfectly fine with me. Now, it turns out Hugh fernley Whittenstall is actually a bit of a cricket guru. He was very good. He played a lot in school. He played a lot in college. He's played quite a bit at a fairly decent level as well. He was very good. He managed to score about 50 or 60, I think. He had a very good innings, much, much better than me. The MP, Oliver Letwin, he obviously played a bit at university. I think he may have been Oxbridge. I think he may have gone to Oxford University. So he played a bit of university cricket. He wasn't too bad either. He scored a few runs. Now it came to my turn to go into bat. Now, as I said earlier, I've got none of the gear. I've gone out and bought myself some cricket whites, especially for the occasion. But I am wearing my tennis shoes because I can't actually justify splashing out on any cricket shoes, especially for this occasion. So I need to borrow quite a few things to go into bats. Somebody lent me some pads, which was very good. Someone did give me their bat to use, which is essential when you go out and play cricket. So I'm told. I was also lent gloves. There was no helmets available. Otherwise, I would have had one. And luckily, the bowling was at a very gentlemanly level. So that was perfectly fine. But there was... One piece of cricket equipment I was still missing. A piece of cricket equipment which on reflection, I think you should probably get your own and only use your own. This is something else I should have bought. I didn't. When you're playing cricket, obviously the ball is hard. It's made leather. It's bouncing around your midriff, shall we say. And things in that area need some protection. You don't want to get a ball in a place where you don't want to get a ball. As I was getting ready to go into bat, noticing that I didn't have a box, the Right Honourable Oliver Letwin very generously let me borrow his box. So I went out to bat borrowing his box. I didn't borrow his jock strap, to be fair. I just kind of managed to balance it where it needed to be balanced. On reflection, I really didn't need all this extra padding and protection. I went out to bat and I managed to just about get through the first over, maybe by staying at the non-strike end. So not having to hit any balls, just happened to do a bit of running between the wickets, which I was perfectly capable of, by the way then it did come my turn to the next over to face some balls the other cricket team we were playing was made up of local cricketers and friends of the person who was organising the charity cricket event including his fourteen-year-old daughter who did play a lot of cricket. She was very good at cricket. She played at a very decent level. I'm going to get that in there now. When I came to face my first over, the person bowling was the aforementioned organiser's 14-year-old daughter. Her first bowl, literally, I missed completely, and it just whistled past my stumps, just missing them. The second one, I did hit. I did actually hit one. It went, I would say, about 10 yards and was easily fielded. The third one hit the centre wicket and I got out for a duck, having been in for, I would guess, a total of 10 or 12 minutes. That was my contribution to our runs. The man who came out to bat after me was Mick Jagger from the Rolling Clones, the Rolling Stones tribute, and fair play to him. He really does invest in his role. He came out to bat, and I'm not joking, dressed as you'd expect the real Mick Jagger to dress on stage. He had a hat on, he had a neckerchief and he had his dark round sunglasses on. Came out to bat like that and he scored about 20. He was a much better cricketer than me. Once the rest of our team were out, or we may have declared, I can't quite remember, it was time for tea. The organisers put on a very nice spread and I did get a chance to have a chat with my captain, the celebrity chef, Hugh Fernley-Wittgenstall. In fact, we ended up sharing a scone together. They had cream teas for our teas, which was great. However, by the time me and Hugh got to the tea-making facilities, all the teaspoons had gone, and we were both sugar addicts. We both wanted sugar in our tea. We ended up using a knife to put sugar in our tea and using the knife to stir it. Not exactly what you'd expect from a TV chef. You thought he might have the right equipment for the job. For the record, the scones, the jam, the cream and the tea were lovely. And Hugh was great as well. Had a nice quick chat to him. He was very friendly and very nice. And let's just put it this way. We didn't actually bother talking about cricket. So after tea, it was our turn to do the fielding. I did what I always do in these situations. I chose to field as far away as possible from the action, right on the ropes, in the hope the ball would come nowhere near me. It did a couple of times, luckily along the ground, and I just about managed to throw it back to where it needed to go. Fortunately, so I didn't get a chance to embarrass myself, there was no chance of any catches or any glory on that front, which I was perfectly fine with. I said earlier that Hugh Fernley-Wittenstall was a very good cricketer. He backed that up with his bowling. He took four wickets. Oliver Letwin was a surprisingly good spin bowler. He took a couple of wickets. And the guy we had from the West Indian international team, former player at theirs, he took care of the rest of the wickets. But just before our innings finished, as it turned out, our captain had double booked himself. He had some filming to do. With about half an hour or so of the game left, I'm not making this up, a helicopter landed in the field next door. Once the helicopter was down, our captain, Hugh Fernley-Whittenstall, who at that time was fielding, he dashed off, still in his cricket gear, ran across the field, ran for the next field, and then while the game was still going, we got to watch our captain fly off in a helicopter to go and do some filming for his latest TV show. Later in the evening, me and my boss drove home to my flat in Yeovil in our Ival FM Land Rover. That is the difference in celebrity. For the record, my team did win the cricket match. I have to say that I contributed zero towards that, but it was a great fun afternoon. I enjoyed playing the cricket. It was a good laugh. My teammates were fine. They were fun, and everyone there was absolutely brilliant. Once the cricket had finished to continue the fun and the fundraising, there was a concert. Not only was he playing cricket, Mick Jogger brought the rest of his band along, the Rolling Clones, and they were playing live along with some other bands. So I watched them perform and they were brilliant as ever. Also, there was a charity auction where the Sawbridges, do you remember them? Jeff Sawbridge and his children, they were offering various things, including some landscape gardening, was one of the things on offer. So there were some really good raffle prizes. Also there, were some representatives from Jimmy's Farm we had Jimmy's Farm products on the barbecue as well which I did try for the first time while I was there and I have to say they were very good obviously there was no conflict of interest with Hugh Fernley Whittingstall. they're all good friends they're all happy to get involved and chip in and work together when it comes to raising money for charity It was a great fun afternoon. I really enjoyed the cricket. I have to say, and you'll be unsurprised to hear this, that is the last time I've ever played a cricket match. I think I ended up wearing those whites only on that one and only occasion. I ended up giving them to a mate of mine who actually plays cricket and hopefully got a bit more use out of them than I ever did. Neil Quigley. Welcome onto the show this morning. My guest, Mr Gary Newman. Good morning, Gary. How are you doing?
1: Right, today, thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to get it
0: all underway at last. 30 years that you've been in the music industry this year. Also, another milestone for you uh, this year as well. Can, can I mention that or not? Oh, yeah,
1: no, please do. That's, that's one of the reasons I'm doing
0: the tour. So that's the big five zero, oh, then, the 50th birthday this year as well. 30 years the music industry, 50 years old. Why the tour now? Why do you want to do this?
1: Well, I wanted Celebrate it because I think to be in the business for 30 years and still be alive and kicking, so to speak, is quite rare. And and to get it to 50, well, I don't know if I'm proud of that because it happens to everyone, I suppose. But it, it just seemed like a real big milestone, two milestones within a few weeks of each other. And and I've had a brilliant life, and I'm really loving what I'm doing. And I just wanted to celebrate it rather than sort of hide it and say, oh you no, know, start telling lies about my age and get a year younger every year. I wanted to just celebrate it. And the people that have given me the lifestyle, the fans, it seemed to make sense for me to do it with them. So I I arranged the tour so it straddles my birthday. My my birthday's on March the 8th, right in the middle of the tour. And I thought the best songs to do would be the songs that I wrote that actually started the whole thing for me, which is this Replicas album that came out in 79. That kicked everything off of me and gave me the lifestyle and the career that I've had. And all of those things just seem to make sense to me. Normally, I don't do nostalgia. I hate it, actually, truth be told. But I'm, I'm having to try the humble pie with this because it just seems the, the right thing to do as it's an anniversary celebratory tour.
0: Are you playing that album as it was then, 30 years ago, or are you doing a, a few different things with it this time when you tour it?
1: We've been all the songs from the album and all the associated B-sides and other there's some pieces that came out to do with it and around it at the time when it comes to the 16 songs in total that's the main set With it really depends some of the songs you can trick up a little bit but make them sound a little bit bigger more powerful more authentic other ones you leave pretty much as they are bit of a cross but one of the reasons we spent two weeks rehearsing it which is a lot longer than normally do is to try to figure
0: out how best to treat each song and, and do it in a way that we think the fans would like the most you do have a pretty unique sound particularly with that album and that sort of time and period in your career how did that sort of sound come about how did, how did we get the Gary Newman the two-way army sound that we've got
1: it was luck I can't take any credit for it at all. I got only a full to rent, two synthesizers. So I went out and the first two that came along was one called a mini-move and one called a pop move. That's the sound, and, and it was no great choice of mine. I, I just struck lucky, I guess. But having found it, though, I've been sort of developed over the next few years, but initially it was just luck.
0: Talking about the synthesizer thing, I've been speaking to uh, Greg, who uh, is one of our newsreaders here. He's a, he's a, he's a fan, and when they have parties, ran at his place all his mates when they put cars on the uh, cd player they all get behind the sofa and pretend to play the sympathizer like like the video basically so you, <laughs> you give him a lot of enjoyment with that apparently it's uh, it's it's a major attraction get it on youtube i'll see it your career as well you've influenced a lot of very cool acts you've got uh, references from uh, nirvana Kurt cobain bit of a fan of the foo fighters damon alburn you know does that please you or it's lovely
1: yeah it's- been going on for a while now and, and at the moment I think Groove and are were putting out a cover version of iTunes Electric so this kind of name checking and influential thing and it, it, it's it is absolutely brilliant I really don't take it for granted at all and there has been such a lot of it for the last few years it is amazing to I me. Mean, it's, it, it's difficult to sort of find the right words for it but yeah and it's made a big difference to me It big, made a big difference to my career and my confidence obviously it, it really helps that quite a lot and I've never really had a lot of confidence about what I've done the last few years but it's really been helped for these people saying what they're saying and uh, now you know their replicas is out again and and it seems to have been completely re-evaluated and it's getting phenomenal reviews now with the repackage when it actually didn't get good reviews at all when it first came out it was sort of pretty much slaved into the ground as being too weird and odd for the music scene at the time and all of these things are just combining to make this stage of my career probably the most enjoyable that I've ever had
0: Mention our friends Electric obviously with it being used in the Sugar babe song Freak Like Me that kind of brought you back up to sort of maybe a bigger national attention than maybe you had for some while is that fair or or not really? It was a
1: big Part of an even bigger picture, to be So That was a key moment. But Basement Jack's Where's I Head At, that song, that was also based around one of mine. And there was a few other things that happened that all sort of pulled together to create something of a renaissance for me over the last sort of ten years or so. But Freak Like Me was a big part of it, yeah. For me, touring is the best part of all the things that you do as a professional musician. Touring is the one that stands head and shoulders above the others for the most fun, the most excitement.
0: Read somewhere, I can't remember where I read it, correct me if I'm wrong, these facts may not be correct, but one of your shows back in the early days, you kind of wanted to put so much. Chance to put the show on, but maybe it wasn't as financially beneficial to you as it should have been. You went a bit mad on staging and everything. Is that is that a true story or not? No, I didn't make
1: money on touring until the mid nineties. I was doing Wembley in eighty. We did three nights in Wembley, and I lost about thirty grand a night. Or something. I think, but I that's what I wanted to do. You know, when I got into it, I wanted to become successful, and I wanted to do the biggest most outrageous stage shows that anyone had seen at that time. And I did it right up until I went bankrupt, and then that was the end of
0: it. Thank you for joining us this morning, Gary. Thank you very much, mate. Thank you. Bye-bye. Neil Quigley. I am a big, massive fan of variety shows. I love variety shows. Comedians, singers, bands, illusionists, dancers, all pieced together with a host. I think they're great. Therefore, for my 40th birthday... The other year, I decided to have a big party and I wanted to put on some entertainment. And my inspiration for the entertainment for the party was those live at the London Palladium, those variety shows, the old school stuff, and that's what I wanted to do. I decided, well, it was my party, that I would host it. So I was going to host it and I was going to get a singer and a comedian in and make it a lot of fun. Well, in the end, it got a little bit bigger than I initially thought, because what I did was I put together about an hour and a half's worth of show. I did a bit of stand-up myself. So I have done some stand-up in the past. I've done a great comedy course with Logan Murray, performed a few times. So I did about five minutes stand-up at the start. Then there's a singer I know who I've worked with several times over the years, who is fantastic, called Nikita. She's actually got a new single out this summer, which is set to be a massive dance smash in the clubs abroad. It could be a big summer hit, so watch out for that. Nikita is the name. Anyway, she came on and did a few songs for me at the start of my show. It was so live at the podium She was fantastic, got the crowd going. And then I come back on and did a little bit more, a few more jokes, moved things along, like Bradley Walsh does at live from the Palladium or tonight at London Palladium or whatever they're calling it this week. Then I brought out a comedian who I've worked with several times, a great comedian called Flange Cramer, who is brilliant, so, so funny. And he was fantastic as ever lot of fun. Then I come back on and my final act was a guy who I met when I was working down in Somerset once again. He came in for an interview on my show because he was doing a show at the local theatre and he's a fantastic bloke, really nice guy called Mike Sterling. He actually was a runner-up in New Faces in the 80s, came as runner-up to Joe Pasquale. He is an amazing singer, actor and performer. To prove this, he has appeared in the West End in the lead roles in Phantom of the Opera and Les Mis, so he can sing and perform a bit. He happily and very nicely agreed to come along and sing for me. Did about 25, 30 minutes, all the big songs from the shows and a nice selection of songs as well. Sounded great. He has got an amazing voice and great stage presence as well. So it was great to have him along. So he came on and done that and was absolutely brilliant, blowing everyone away with his voice, his charisma, his performance. It was quality. I mean, how many people get to have a West End star sing at their birthday party? I absolutely loved it. And then to finish, I am a massive fan of of Morecambe and Wise. They are comedy heroes, fantastic, so funny. They were very positive always at the end of their shows, with laughter, fun, happiness, love being a big message that they tried to get across. It was a party for my friends and family. So I decided the only way it could finish was by a version of Bring Me Sunshine. So basically, me and Mike then ended the show singing along to Morgan Wise. I wanted to sing it myself, but my voice wasn't good enough. I didn't have time to learn it. But we sang along to Morgan Wise, Bring Me Sunshine, and that brought the show to a close. I wouldn't say I went a bit over the top, but I even made intro and outro music for the whole performance. One thing I didn't do was video it. That's where I slipped. I should have got it on video so I could watch it maybe every five or ten years as a nod back, but that was a great way, I thought, to celebrate my 40th birthday. Perfect for me. I'm a big fan of variety, so why not put on a variety show for me to host on my birthday? It's what I would have wanted. And it's what I got. Neil Quigley. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. I haven't played cricket since that cricket match. Gary Newman was fantastic. And I don't care what you think. I really enjoyed my 40th. That is it for this week. As I said, have fun. Be nice to each other. Take care. I'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye.